Good morning and welcome to the NCSA Mental Health Devotion. My name is Nandi Fleming and I will be your host for this morning's worship. Before we start, let us just close our eyes for a prayer. Lord Jesus, this world is so full of brokenness and emptiness and hardship and heartache that, Lord, we wonder every day how we are going to make it. Lord, we, we feel the effects of the world around us and, and we truly just need you to step in, Lord, and to save us since you are our Savior. And Lord, my prayer is this morning that if there is anybody out there, Lord, that is feeling helpless, that is feeling despondent, and that they feel like life is not worth living anymore, Lord, because there's just too many things that are going wrong and there's no more happiness and joy, Lord, that you will bring that joy back into their lives, that you will be that person, that being, Lord, that refreshes them and that sustains them and that they will let go of the other things of life which they have tried to make them happy, Lord, and that we will come to you, the true spring of happiness. Lord, bless us now. May you sustain us. May you refresh us. May you purify us. And Lord, may we live a life today that is one of joy, one of happiness, knowing what you can do inside of us, is my prayer in your name. Amen. Isaiah 12 verse 3 is the verse that I'd like to read for you this morning. It says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The title for my talk this morning is Empty, Thirsty, Dry, Come and Be Satisfied. So we live in a world right now that has become very filled with misery and sadness and brokenness. And daily people are really experiencing, you know, a withering away inside of themselves emotionally and cognitively, as well as outside, where the outside world is really, you know, hurting us and destroying us. And it's kind of like a plant that is slowly dying because of the elements around it, you know, the sun and the wind and the hail and the bugs eating away at it and slowly destroying it. And many of us don't even realize that as time has passed, we have slowly withered away and life has become very meaningless and, and, and with a lack of hope, really. And there's imagery in the Bible that speaks of God's people being like trees, trees that are either withering away or trees that are prospering and growing and becoming more beautiful. And um, the book of Revelation is one of these trees, uh, one of these books that speak about God's people being like trees. And, and it depicts Jesus as the Savior walking amongst myrtle trees. If you've ever read this passage in the book of Revelation, it's, 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 it's a prophetic kind of way of looking at the world where it's depicting Jesus walking amongst his people. And, and I went and I was, I was curious as to, you know, why myrtle trees? Why specifically myrtle trees? And if you go and look at the imagery of myrtle trees in the Bible, it shows that this tree is a kind of a stubborn tree, a tree that that grows evergreen leaves despite darkness and despite murky circumstances that is around it. As a matter of fact, when you look at myrtle trees, they are often found in the valleys on the bottom of mountains. They are often found in those dark, wet, manky kind of areas where it seems that no other tree should be flourishing and should be growing. And, and myrtle trees, however, keep growing amidst these circumstances. And as, as I was young and I read these verses and I did a little bit of digging, I said to myself, 
you know, I I would like to be like these myrtle trees that Jesus walks around. You know, I want to be that tree that he that is growing evergreen. You know, the the leaves that don't wither. That even though it might find itself in in the valley and the bottom of the mountain, you know, where there's shadows. You know, maybe the shadow of the valley of death. Um, but I want to keep growing. I want to be that myrtle tree that the Book of Revelation prophetically speaks about. You see, I don't want to go through seasons of drought and rain and wind and scorching heat and allow it to destroy my leaves, allow it to destroy me, the tree that should be growing. I don't want to be like the other trees that are affected like by the circumstances around me. Um, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to die, you know, in the, in the tragedies of this world. And what I mean with die is not physically die, but emotionally and cognitively, you know, experience this drought, experience this, this withering away that many of us do experience. And th- this was my wish as a child. And I prayed for it. I prayed a lot to the Lord and say, Lord, I do feel the circumstances affecting me and I don't want it to affect me. I want to grow. I want to flourish. I want to bloom in season as well as out of season. Um, In the good times and the bad times of life, I want to be able to be satisfied. I want to be able to be happy. I want to be able to have that joy in my heart that the Bible speaks of. The joy that, that kind of only comes because Christ lives in your heart. But you see, for a tree to remain alive and green, it's going to need water. And the Bible talks about Jesus being the water of life, the thing that sustains us in the drought, in the desert, in the times of of difficulty. You see, today we live in a sinful world, an ever-changing sinful world where seasons and circumstances are changing all around us. And things are getting worse. And the Bible even predicts that things are going to keep getting worse. And I've seen people emotionally wasting away, physically being drained by the things of the world. And this world is slowly poisoning us. Um, Our souls are withering away to the point of even death. Um, You might be asking, you know, where's the cure for the disease of this world? Where's the cure for the poison of sin and suffering? Where's the antidote, you know? How can God make us immune to the circumstances around us so that it doesn't affect us? So it doesn't destroy our spiritual leaves and the trees that we are so that we can keep growing and flourishing. Because you see, an antidote works in this way. It doesn't remove the poison from your system. It makes you immune to the poison around you. And, and you know, I believe that the Bible tells us that, you know, the world and its circumstances, the poison is not going to go away. There's a verse in the Bible that says in the book of Revelation that um, a time will come where those who have been, you know, sinful and filthy will be filthy more. In other words, it's not going to get better. There are things that are going to increase in its intensity. The elements around us are not going to ease up. Revelation tells us that there's going to come a time where the Lord is going to tell the four angels on the four corners of the earth, um, symbolic corners, to let go of the winds of strife and to loosen the wind so that it will blow upon the trees. And I believe that right now we are we are living in these times, the times where where the winds of strife, you know, the, the world has been protected by the mercies of God. But I believe that slowly these winds are being let go. And this is the stuff that we are seeing in the world happening right now. Things like wars and rumors of wars and and COVID-19 and and, and, and things are just getting worse in our personal relationships and families are turning against families and, 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 and things are really getting really bad around us. So the Bible is really saying that 
the elements, the winds of strife, the circumstances around us are not going to ease up. As the world approaches its end, it's going to get worse. But, but we need to be still satisfied. We, we shouldn't be carried away by the circumstances that are around us. We need to be able to say, I am satisfied, I am sturdy, I am planted, I am rooted, and I am not moved by these things. So then why are we unhappy and dissatisfied? Why are these circumstances allow around us leaving us despondent and without hope and feeling really empty? You see, there's a man by the name of Neil Nedley. He's a physician. And um, he also, you know, does um, seminars on depression and anxiety. And he writes and he says that today in the world that we live in, there are more things around us than ever before that should make us happy and that should give us satisfaction. Things like technology, games, movies, music of every kind and flavor that you can think of. Entertainment abounds around us. There are restaurants, clubs, resorts, holiday destination, hotels. Um, every stimulant under the sun that you can think of is available to man there are so much choices of food delicacies that we can have you know sweets and and sugars and 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 cool drinks and things um so many intoxicating places that we can go exotic places that we can see you know we can travel there by sea by air or by land we can go on cruises we can we can experience the world in all its fullness Everything that can be owned materially exists in every color, shape, and size. Cars, cell phones, home decor, clothes. Um, every occasion, for every occasion and every fancy, there is something out there to make you happy. We should be happier than ever before because there is so much to make us happy. But we are miserable. We are we are um, depressed, we feel anxious, we feel more empty than ever before. And maybe some of you have said, you know, I was happier when I was a child. I was, I, was, I was more joyous when I was a child, you know. And if you think about it, the world back then was more simple. The world back then didn't have all of these things that we have today that's supposed to give us happiness but leaves us feeling empty. And with the rise of technology and its advancement, the world's depression rates and anxiety rates and suicide rates have increased alongside of it. And one wonders, if you stop to think and ask yourself, is there not a correlation between the two? Are these things which are supposed to bring us happy, not happiness not actually causing the depression and anxiety inside of us? We think it makes us happy, but in the end it leaves us empty. We kind of call this the, 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 the the things that satisfy the quick pleasures of life, you know, they satisfy for a moment, but afterwards you feel more empty than ever before. You see, there's more soil and water for the trees of God that are growing in this world today than ever before. But this soil and this water is the wrong kind of soil. It's the wrong kind of water that we are feeding our trees with. The water and the soil that we are feeding ourselves with is poisoned. It is poisoned and is slowly killing us. And we start to die from the inside. We waste away unhappy and miserable people. You see, David says that he also experienced a kind of thirst, a thirst, a, sat- a, a thirst and an emptiness to say, I'm longing for that satisfaction, that thing that will, when my mouth is dry, when my soul feels empty, when I don't know where to go and I just need something to give me that satisfaction. David said in the Psalms that he experienced this thirst, but he went to a kind of well. He went to a water that was not poisoned, that would not leave the person feeling more empty and wanting more 
more, but he went to the true well of life. And he says in Psalm 63 verse 1, he says, You God are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry land that is parched where there is no water, I thirst for you. And this is really the experience of that we are going through in the world today, that we are in this parched land, a land that leaves us wanting more, a land that leaves us empty and dry, and nothing satisfies, nothing seems to satisfy. And, and the Bible is calling us, like David says, the Bible is calling us to seek out the true water of life that will leave us not wanting. So why do we thirst? Well, there are really basically three reasons why we thirst. The first reason that we thirst is because we don't ask for the water of life. You see, if you if a child is thirsty and, and, and wants something to drink, it goes to the mother and says, Mom, can I have some water? Because they can't get the water for themselves. And it's very much the same for us. You see, we, we try and get water for ourselves in the wrong places, and, and but we don't ask for the real water of life. Um, if we go and look at the story of the Samaritan woman in the Bible, the story of the Samaritan woman tells us that a woman from Samaria approaches um, a well. And Jesus, who had been busy the whole day, who, who had been working and he's thirsty and he's, 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 he's tired, is sitting by this well, the well that was called Jacob's well. And a Samaritan woman approaches, seemingly unconscious of his presence. She fills her pitcher with water and she turns to go away. Jesus then turns to her and asks her for a drink. You see, such a favor um, to the Oriental world would never be withheld. And in the East, water was called a gift of God. And to offer a drink to a thirsty traveler was held to be a duty so sacred to the Arabs in the desert that they would go out of their way in order to perform the duty of giving water to another person. But you see, the hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans prevented this woman from offering a kindness to Jesus. It was within her nature, the Oriental nature, the, 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 the custom of the East to offer water to thirsty travelers. It was an honor and a privilege to do so. But this woman kind of ignores Jesus because of the, the, the kind of prejudice that lays between the Jews and the Samaritans. But the Savior was seeking to find a way into her heart. That's why he was there that day. He wanted to offer her the water of life. And the way he goes about doing this is with a tact that is born of divine love. You see, he asked, not offered, a favor. You see, Jesus offers a kindness if he were to offer a kindness, she might have rejected it. If he straight out went to her after he met her and said to her, would you like the water of life? I have the water of life. If you ask for it, you will receive it. She might have rejected it. But Jesus knows that trust awakens trust. And you see, we are the same. We feel that we can't ask for God's blessing unless we first do something for him. So Jesus calls us to serve him and to, 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 to work for him while we are yet sinners. Christ uses us where we are at. And he knows that after we have done something for him, then in offer, he can offer to do something for us. He comes and he offers us himself. And Jesus says to this woman, he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me something to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. 
You see, God doesn't just come out to ask us to serve him. He is there to meet you by your well of life. He comes to you not only to, 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 to ask you to do something. He is actually just asking you to do something so that he can offer you the water of life. He wants to offer you that which he can give you through his life. But we need to ask him. And we don't ask. Matthew 7 verse 7 gives us a promise and it says, Ask and it shall be given unto you. Today if you are thirsty, if you haven't been satisfied, ask God for the water of life so that you can never thirst again. The second reason why we end up thirsting is because we neglect to see the source of life, the source of water right in front of us. Um, When this woman speaks to Jesus at the well, she says to him, Are you greater than our father Jacob who built this well? You see, what she does is she is looking backwards to her father, to the father Jacob. She's looking back to the old ways of life, to how things used to be and the the beautiful promises and the beautiful life of of Israel of old. And, and, And she's also looking forward towards the Messiah's coming. Um, and and what she does is she she's she's losing out on that which is right in front of her, the blessing that is available to her right there, sitting in front of her at the well. And you see, a lot of times we we do the same. We dwell upon the old days of of how things used to be and 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 how life used to be good, and we look forward to the promises of heaven and and how things will be better one day, you know, but we forget that right in front of us, close by us, is the living fountain of life, and we don't have to look far it's right in front of us, just like this woman and and we often say seem something like someday Jesus will come and he will make my thirst disappear someday one day in the future he will heal my wounds. Someday I will be satisfied and happy and content. But the water is right in front of us. It is accessible to us today. We we don't realize that we don't have to wait for the second coming of the Savior to have that hope, to have that satisfaction of life today. We can be satisfied today in Jesus Christ, the water of life that is sitting right in front of us. We have the word of God. We have Jesus through prayer. All we need to do is just drink from his well. The third reason why we end up being very thirsty is we can't imagine that we can drink right now. That satisfaction is happy is is available to us right now. You see, the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians that when we go to the Lord in prayer, the water of life, that he gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. Not tomorrow, not when we get to heaven, but a peace that surpasses all understanding right now. The satisfaction that we can have right now. Um, so many of us do not see Jesus in front of us right now. You know, we, we feel like he is some mystical force that's not available or accessible to us. And, and we wait for him to bless us someday. But right now, today, we can drink of the water, a water that never runs dry. Another reason why we end up being thirsty is because we drink from the wrong wells. When we started off, we started talking about, you know, the things that we go to to satisfy, things that should make us happy but end end up not making us happy. You see, we look for water that does not satisfy. We drink poisonous water that that, that actually just leaves us wanting. We drink from wells that, that have holes in them. Jeremiah 2 verse 13 says, Jesus is giving a warning through his prophet to his people. He's saying, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. 
In other words, the, the well that's going to really satisfy, we neglect him. We don't go to the Lord every day drinking from the well that will never run dry. And it also says in Jeremiah 2 verse 13 that they have dug cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Now, a cistern is basically a well. The Lord is saying that we go and we dig wells. We look for water and we, we, we make things and do things which, which we think is going to satisfy us. But the Lord is saying that these wells have holes in them. They're broken. They can't hold water. You're going to keep going back to these things that you go to in order to find satisfaction, but you will never find satisfaction. The woman at the well in John 4 verse 1 to 42, you can go read the story later. Jesus tells this woman at the well that he will give her a water that will never let her thirst again. She will never be thirsty again. And I've often wondered why Jesus asks this woman about her husband. You see, as they're busy having this discourse, he says to her, you know, after he told her about the water that she can drink from and that she will never be thirsty, he says to her, go and fetch your husband, just out of the blue. And the woman says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus replies, he says, yes, you don't. You have had five already. And the one that you're with right now is not your husband. You see, the reason he brings her to this realization or he mentions the husband or husbands is because he wanted her to realize that she was trying to quench her thirst through illicit relationships. She was doing things in the world that, that seemed that she would find happiness in them, but she was chasing happiness through relationships. She was chasing happiness um, in a way that would not satisfy her. And, and she kind of, you know, she pauses, I think, you know, when Jesus mentions this. And, and she says, you know, I see that you're a prophet and that you know things which I have not revealed to anyone. And this is usually, you know, the way in which we try and find satisfaction. We try and find satisfaction in things that, that are actually embarrassing. And the world perpetuates this idea that somehow we can find happiness. If only we can find that one person, then he or she will give me meaning in life. If I can just get that job, you know, that one job that I've dreamt of, then I will be happy. If I can just earn enough money or if I can travel and see the world, if I can have that beautiful body, you know, and lose that weight, then I will be happy. And, and we've got this, this idea somehow that the wells of the world is going to give us satisfaction. And we try and find satisfaction in things. And the Lord in the Bible is saying, no, don't go to those things. You've tried those things and they've not given you satisfaction. We're, broke, we're drinking from broken cisterns. We're drinking from wells that run dry. And, and, and we are left empty and dry. But you see, he who seeks to quench his thirst from the fountain of the world will drink only to thirst again. If we drink from the fountains of the world, we're going to be thirsty again. Everywhere men are unsatisfied today. They long for something to supply the need of the soul. And there's only one that can truly meet the needs of our soul. We need to learn to drink daily from the true source of, of satisfaction. Jesus comes to her and he says to her, I am the water of life. I am the wellsprings that jumps up inside of you unto everlasting life. And he who drinks from me will never thirst. You see, he was saying to her that the person who tastes the love of Christ will continually long for more and he will seek nothing else. Riches and honors and pleasures of this world will no longer attract them. They will not drink from the water that they once used to drink from um, because they would have tried it and seen that it did not satisfy them. But when they tasted the Lord, the water of true life, then 
they will know that he is the only one that's satisfied. You see, Jesus wasn't telling this woman that once you drink of me, only once that you will never be thirsty again. He was saying that when you drink from me, you won't want these other things. When you drink from me, you will know true satisfaction. You will know true happiness. You will know true contentment. Despite the trials and tribulations that go on around me, you will be able to flourish. Psalms 34 verse 8 tells us this. The Bible invites us to to truly know the water of life. That is the only thing that will give satisfaction. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And once you have tasted this, you will want nothing else. And not only will you want nothing else, but this water will sustain you through the trials and tribulations of life. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says that the Lord will make a way in the desert, in that dryness, in that drought of your land. Streams of water will flow in a wasteland. Jeremiah 17 verse 7 to 8 says it tells us what happens when we have watered ourselves those trees that we are by the living water it says but blessed are those who trust in the lord and who have made the lord their hope and confidence they are like trees planted along a riverbank christ is that riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water we need to reach deep into the water jesus christ and such trees the bible says are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought that come because their leaves stay green like those myrtle trees and they never stop producing fruit. Isaiah 58 verse 11 gives another promise. It says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. He will be, you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters will never fail. You see, in life, there's going to be heat, there's going to be wind, there's going to be hardships. But the trees, that is us, we will keep growing and prospering and bearing fruit when we plant ourselves in the river of life. When we drink from that water daily, that will satisfy us. That living water can do so much for us. You see, the water of life... We will drink every day more and more and find that satisfaction within our souls. You see, in the East, water is called the gift of God. And it will not be denied anyone. And today you too can come and enjoy this gift. Isaiah 55 verse 1, Jesus gives an invitation through his prophet. He says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And we know who that waters is. Jesus said that he is the water of life. You see, every human resource and dependence will fail. The things that you used to go to, those empty cisterns will fail. And if you've tried all of those things to fill the void today, you will know that you have been left empty by the world's wells and that the pool that you have tried to drink from keeps running dry. So the invitation is there today. Come to the Redeemer who is the only inexhaustible fountain. You may drink and you may drink again and you may drink again and every day find a fresh supply of courage, of energy, of, of hope because Christ dwells in you and you yourself will then become a fountain of blessing to others, a well of water that springs up to everlasting life. From this source, Jesus, you can draw true strength and grace and love that will satisfy your needs. The pains and the heartaches will disappear. The woman at the well said to Jesus after their talk, I know that the Messiah is coming, which is called the Christ. And when he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus answered her and said to her, 
I am the Messiah. The one that you are speaking to is that Messiah. I am here right now. You don't have to wait for him. You don't have to wait for that happiness, that the, for the answers then and, and, and when you get to heaven or when the Messiah comes because the Messiah is right in front of you. You can drink from me now and be satisfied. You can be uplifted and quenched. And that longing in your soul today can be satisfied. I believe that Jesus is giving the invitation to us today to say, I am the water of life. I am the Messiah. I am that thing that you are waiting for, that you've been wanting and longing for. As much as you think it's all these other things, it's not. It's me. That that, that, that longing in your heart that you're feeling, that hole, that emptiness, it's me. Put me in there and I will satisfy you. The Bible is full of invitations to drink from the water of life. But you know, the beautiful thing and the interesting thing is, is that invitation still stands today because in the last book of the Bible the book of Revelation in the last chapter of this book chapter 22 in the last five verses Jesus speaks to his people he speaks to you and to me and he gives the invitation again Revelation 22 verse 7 he says just before the Bible ends he says the spirit and the bride say come let the one who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come and the one who desires the water of life let him drink freely my prayer for you today is that you will drink freely of that water of life jesus christ every single day as he has made himself available to you
the Pastoral Counseling Department of the NCSA invites you to join our daily mental health devotions. You can subscribe by WhatsApping the word yes to plus 27836584296. Broadcasts will be sent out directly to your phone each morning at 8 a.m. Topics are centered on biblical and psychological guidance to achieve good mental health and a balanced lifestyle despite the trials and crises of life. If you are interested in receiving these daily WhatsApp audio devotions straight to your phone, then WhatsApp the word YES to plus 27836584296. And now, may your darkness turn to light as the Son of Righteousness rises with healing in His wings.